like an all-day meeting, when we, when we visit brothers and sisters in India, they like all-day meetings. They start at about 10 o'clock in the morning, they worship God, they break bread, they have two messages. They're usually done by 4 o'clock. And then they have a little rice to get ready for their gospel meeting at 6. <laughs> well, I think we don't have the Indian stamina. The Lord will have to help us. But He's able to quicken by our mortal bodies by the work of the Holy Spirit. So we trust Him even this afternoon. But if you're overcome with deep repose, well, take a little nap. <laughs> and the rest of us will press on. <laughs> we want to return again to the book of Nehemiah. And just for context, we want to read the whole of the first chapter. I will read the chapter in English, then my brother will read it in Chinese. Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month Chislev in the 20th year while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you, I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I beseech you, 
may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. Yishi 他们被焚被火焚烧承认我们以色列人向你所犯的罪你们被改善的人我们听得到吗？阿爸，主，我们感谢你，主，你给我们的生命，你给我们的生命，你给我们的生命，你给我们的生命，你给我们的生命，你给我们的生命，你给我们的生命，你给我们的生命，你给我们的生命，你给我们
Strengthen the hearts of those who have set their path and the highways to Zion. And draw others who have been kissed by you, that they as well may run after you. Even today we pray that you will reveal your heart to us again. We are dependent upon you. Only you can move the spirit of men. Do move us, Lord, we pray. We might be fully pleasing unto thee. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Yesterday uh, we began uh, in Ezra. And at the very beginning we saw that our God is a sovereign God. He does whatever He pleases. But we know that in His pleasure He has designed that all things should be headed up under Christ Jesus. All his purposes and plans down through the century have been toward that end. And here we are near the end of the last days. And our sovereign God is still drawing ones into the Lord Jesus. We have seen that the way of the church is not some outward form, but an inward relationship to the Lord Jesus. The church is a shared life together. The head and the body. And we are His fullness. We're to live together, abiding in Christ. And in this abiding, also one with one another. Yesterday, it seemed as though the Holy Spirit was stressing this matter of our knowing the heart of our God. He loves all of us much more deeply than we knew. And we are given this story of the Song of Songs. Where is Shunamite woman? But nobody. Darkened by the sun. A laborer. Is desired by Solomon the king. He starts to pursue this woman. We're surprised to discover that our Lord Jesus pursues us. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us the Lord has pursued and saved not many noble, not many of high class. But he's pursuing our hearts. 
And he knows your heart. There are many Christians struggling on the outside, but he knows your heart. There are none of us who are worthy to be called his special possession. But indeed he gave everything in order to purchase you and I. This is the heart of the matter of what the Lord desires to recover. Often the church has an outward form. But the very ark of the Lord in the middle is missing. The church is found to have everything except his presence in the middle. And we realize even when he talks to us in Revelation chapter 2, that unless we are being ravished by his first love, we're not the church at all. Do you love me? The Lord not only speaks that to Peter, he always speaks that to us. So we see this tremendous heart matter. Now there was Jerusalem all in ruins. Somewhat a picture truly of the kingdom of God today. But God in his sovereignty wants a place to dwell with his people. Now why is that? Why is he interested in dwelling with us? But we see at the end of Revelation that the final majestic triumphal claim is that God dwells among men. This is the essence of the new Jerusalem. This is the finality of his plan. Jesus, the Father, and his children, all dwelling in life and glory together. And so we know from Ezra when the situation was the most dreary in Jerusalem. God sovereignly touched the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. And we mentioned the backstory of Daniel and that. And he made a proclamation for all those uh, Jews uh, from Judah and Benjamin to go back to Jerusalem and build the temple. And God is sovereign. And he stirred the hearts of about 50,000 of the remnant of the children to go back to Jerusalem. Now when we say God is sovereign and he chose it says he stirred the spirits of these people. Does that mean that he sovereignly looks around and says, Oh, I pick you, and oh, I pick you, and just kind of picks people randomly? 
这意思是说他有权威的时候，他就是来这边选选选，他就说我选你，我选你，他就随意的选任选人呢。Our God is sovereign. 我们的主是权威的。But He searches with His eyes to and fro to see whose hearts are complete for Him. 他就用他的眼睛去拣选谁的心是完全归向他的。And at that time, He found about fifty thousand. 他那时候就发现到有呃五万位左右。They were in Babylon. Existing in Babylon, but their heart's desire was to be with God and in His beautiful temple back in Jerusalem. In their new hope was to be with God in Jerusalem. And the whole story of how God, how the temple was rebuilt, is a story of God's sovereignty. So the whole story of how the temple was rebuilt is a story of God's sovereignty. The weakest of the weak went back to Jerusalem. They really had only one thing to give. They had only one thing to give. Their heart, their all, 就是他们的心，就是他们的一切。Somehow they got back. 他们就回去了。Zerubbabel led them as the governor, and Joshua was the high priest. Zerubbabel 就带领他们回去。呃，耶稣亚也是这个大祭司。They built an altar and started worshiping and worshiping. Then they built a foundation by the grace of God. Then the enemy came and stopped the work. God raised up Haggai and Zechariah. Zechariah and Haggai's prophecy caused them to go back and build and complete the temple. Zechariah testified. It was all the sovereign God's doing. Sakaria 见证说这一切全能的神所做的。What did he say? 他说了什么 ？We all know the words. 我们都知道他所讲的。Zechariah said, "It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit," says the Lord. Sakaria 说不是依靠势力，不是依靠能力，乃是照着他的灵。Who are you, O great mountain? 哦，你这座山，你是什么呢？ Even as Zerubbabel has laid the foundation, he will put the top stone at the top of the temple, and everybody will shout, "Grace, grace!" As the Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, although he laid the foundation, he will put the top stone at the top of the temple, and everybody will shout, "Grace, grace!" As the Zerubbabel, And some children in captivity even wrote,、uh, wrote the song as they got back to Jerusalem. When the Lord returned our captivity, we were like them in a dream. The people around said, "The Lord has done great things." And we agree, the Lord has done great things. Now the temple was built. Now they get offered. Now they get worshipped. Now they get gathered around this temple. And they shared a spiritual life together. Nehemiah is the story that comes after a generation has passed. Nehemiah is in a generation. Actually, Nehemiah is the second part of what are, in Hebrews was originally one book. Ezra and Nehemiah was one book. That in the original Hebrew was originally one book. And Nehemiah gives us a testimony of how、uh, the city of Jerusalem 
was rebuilt. The house has been built. For more than 50 years. But the city was still in ruin. These dear saints in the remnant. They gave everything they had. And even after the temple was built. They had to scratch out a living in poverty. And they were persecuted on every side. Even the leaders in Samaria would come down and persecute them in Jerusalem. There was no wall, there was no protection. And after now more than a hundred years since the children were taken into captivity, these these stones around that were all covered over with debris and dust. It was a terrible looking. 那在一百年之后他们被掳回来之后，还是这个地方还是非常的不好。那许多的石头都站在其他的地方。Now we might think that God was satisfied when the temple was built.那我们想说，或许神那时候圣殿建造起来的时候，他就得到满足。This is the heart of the matter.这是这重点核心。These people had given their all for God as a living sacrifice before Him.他们将他们一切摆上归给我们主，已经献为祭。but our God was not satisfied. He wanted the city to be built. He wanted the people of God to have a place of life and blessing and fellowship together with Him. It's true they were all for God. But now God wanted to be with them in a city. And so in Nehemiah, we see the story of how this happened. Now when we look at the book of Nehemiah, it's very interesting. I think two things will strike you right away. The first thing is, this book is spiritually practical. Just as Ezra was a heart matter in building the temple, now Nehemiah shows how we are built as the city of God. What do I mean by spiritually practical? Well, when you see and you go through the book, you'll notice that they pray and work. They wait on the Lord and then they move with decisiveness. They work with a shovel in one hand and in warfare they hold the spear. They waited to receive an impression from God. And then Nehemiah knew how to practically work it out. He brought encouragement. And he talked the beard in correction. He taught them how both to weep and rejoice. 
He showed authority and also practical coordination. 他向他们显明他们是有权威的，他也向他们让他们显显明出啊怎么样做和谐的工作，协调的工作。Spiritually the testimony is about a vessel who is useful to the master's service.这个见证呢是说到这个器皿乃是合乎他的主人可以用，合乎主用。For it's all Regarding Nehemiah, it is written, I think you've noticed, as a personal diary. We are seeing the history through Nehemiah's eyes as he's writing a daily journal and praying about everything. Everything we know about Nehemiah just comes from this book. But you can see his heart. You can see his faithfulness. You can see his diligence. You can see his godliness. You can see his wisdom. You can see his consecration. As you read his diary. Isn't it wonderful to read the diary of a godly man? And here's a godly man who is also practical. There's a strange animal indeed. A man who is spiritual and practical. This was Nehemiah. The secret, of course, when you read the book, you realize immediately is his prayer life. Now when you go through this book, it continually mentions his prayer life. The majority of the Nehemiah chapter 1 that we read was a prayer of his. If you look in chapter 2 verse 4, when he comes before the king, the king says, what do you want? But before he answered, he says, so I pray to the God of heaven. Prayer was the backbone of this active man's life. Now this was more than just a morning devotional, a time of worship, a time of prayer. Nehemiah was abiding before his God. He would shoot up these little prayers all the time before he said something. It seems like he was in a dialogue with God. What should I do? What should I do here? What should I do there? Uh, there's an interesting... It's uh, um, an interesting statement that, that he makes when he hears some problems coming up. Oh, in chapter 5 and verse 6 and 7 now we heard about some of the uh, wrong unethical things going on among the Jewish men and we see in verse 6 it says then I was angry when I heard their outcry and these words but then notice verse 7 
It says, I consulted with myself. Now, that's an interesting phrase. So I talked to myself. <laughs> well, we know he was talking to the Lord. But he consulted with himself. And then he immediately took action when he knew what to do. Now there is the life of a godly man. And if you'll also remember, I'm sorry we don't have time to show all these things. But often at the end of his prayers, he had this interesting little statement. He would always say, "Now remember me." Now, what do you think that means? You think he thinks the Lord may forget him? Well, now he knew he was doing a great work. It was a kingdom work. Do you think he was saying, "Now remember me when it comes time for rewards"? I don't. I don't think that was exactly it. But what was he saying? When he was ready to do something decisive, and he would say, "Lord, remember me," and then he would go do it. Now, what does this mean? What he's saying is, Lord. You have told me to be diligent in my work. And so as I go forth to my work, cover my back. Help me, Lord. You know that I am imperfect and fearful. But I go forth by faith. Remember me as I go. Probably I'll make some mistakes. Remember me. Now you see, outwardly people say, Oh, my, he's so full of authority and he knows what to do. And inwardly he was fearful, just like you and I. But he felt that he, he had to take these actions to rebuild the wall of the city. So he said, Lord, what a vessel useful to the master spiritually practical all the way and, and God called him to do the great work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem that's what he called it you know when the enemy tried to get him to stop he said I can't stop this is a great work so let's just look at a few things regarding our our, our brother Jer- uh, Nehemiah here as we see him doing this building work first his calling to the great work now how does God call a man a woman into his great work of building this this is a vital question today. Especially when you look on our landscape. And one thing, what do you see? Look around. What do you see? Where are those men called of God? Where are those workers that are all in? Thank God there are some. Unfortunately, most of them are getting old. Now where are those called 
of God with character today. 那今日那些被神呼召有性格的。<coughs> Now, indeed, we are talking about full-time workers. 那我现在当然讲的是全职的工人 ，but not full-time workers like we think full-time workers. 不是我们所讲的全职间，就是我们心里面所想全职间的那些人。Nehemiah was not a full-time worker, but he was a full-time worker. 你西米不是全职间的人，但是他是一个全职间做事的人。Now, what does that mean? 这是什么意思呢 ？Now he wasn't a preacher. Now you know when he came back to when he came to Jerusalem, Ezra had been there a long time. Ezra was a Levite. He knew the word of God. He could preach the word of God. But he could not rebuild the walls of the city. He didn't have those gifts. And so Ezra was there at the time of Nehemiah, but you don't hear about him. And then Ezra preaches the word, and revival breaks out in the city. But we're not talking about another Ezra, another Joshua, the high priest. We're talking about a man who understands that whatever job he may have. His spiritual vocation is his great work. Now we know this person. We are talking about this person. His spiritual vocation is his great work. Now in our midst, we have very few who even、uh, think about serving the Lord full time. And in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being a lawyer, but in the sense of not being Well, it's not even considered much today. So, today, to say this, this, we don't put it in the same way. It goes against the American dream. This is the American dream. It's different. But actually, we don't want to talk about that. But we don't want to talk about that. But actually, this calling, we don't even want to refer to as necessarily a personal calling, although it is. But rather, there's some men who would stand up in this important. 我们所讲的不是个人的呼召，乃是一个人能够在重要的时时刻的时候能够为主站起来。Where are those men with practical spirituality? 那这些人有属灵的实际的这些人究竟在哪里 ？Where are those men when the Lord says, "Who will build the walls?" They say, "Here am I." 那那些人，啊，主呼召说，你谁能建造我的城墙的时候，现在求你拍拍我的这些人究竟在哪里？ Well, let's look and see how Nehemiah was called, and then we'll ask the question again. How did Nehemiah?、Uh, how was he called to this great work? Did some preacher tell him to go? Did you see handwriting on the wall? Tackle, tackle, move forward. I can see that 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 that
But his brother was not called to rebuild the walls because he could report such a devastation and still live on. 但是他们不是，他们不是不知道说要建造这城墙，因为他们感觉好像他们还是虽然说是毁坏，他们还是可以活下去。When we look out on the ruin and the devastation and the problem and the divisions and everything that's going on in the church today, we all talk about it and even feel some burden about it.当我们看到今日教会的光景如此的毁坏，我们有的时候只是想一下，但是我们没有实际的去呃做下去。and you would think perhaps God would call somebody to rebuild the walls who was actually living there in Jerusalem. First hand could see the poverty and the and the persecution and the ruination around. But it's amazing how people can adapt to any kind of situation. And after a generation, this poverty and persecution and abject destruction was the new normal for the people living around Jerusalem. There were many, many others in Susa and in Persia who were captives who knew of the condition in Jerusalem. We remember when Nehemiah heard the report, it altogether broke his heart. Now this is God's call. God broke Nehemiah's heart. It's almost as if I imagine he could envision the scene. As, he, as they related how all of the wall was ruined and wrecked. In his mind eye, he saw these piles of stones dotting the perimeter of what used to be the city wall. The wooden gates all burned and just laying aside like charcoal. Piles of stones here, piles of stones there, overgrown with things. Jackals running in and out among them. When he saw these things, it broke his heart. Now, the reason is, is because he saw God's heart for his people. Now, we see things at times that break our hearts. When you see as God sees, then you begin to pray as the people who were there in Jerusalem. You remember the prayer of our brother. He prayed as if he were one of the sinners who was there in Jerusalem and undergoing all of this terrible devastation. He identified with himself as one of the sinners among sinners who had allowed and caused this devastation to come on themselves by their unfaithfulness. He prayed over three months. During this time of prayer, he found a prayer. God, you remember how you said if your people are unfaithful, you would scatter them? 
But you also said if your people return to you, that you would have favor upon them. Oh God, would you remember this remnant in Jerusalem suffering so much? They have come back. Oh, won't you bless them? And God said, yes. You go back. That was his call. So there is a calling of God. No handwriting on the wall. But a heart that couldn't do anything else. Of course he had a problem. He was a cupbearer for the king. He don't say, oh, excuse me, can I take 12 years off? But in fact he became governor for 12 years. So he just said, God, you have laid this on my heart. Who is worthy for this? But God, I'm going to speak to the king, give me success. Now we can't go into the details. But God, that the king's heart was prepared. Now Artaxerxes was a pretty tough guy. But one day, Nehemiah went into his presence and there was just too much sorrow in his face. His fasting and prayer was taking its toll. The king saw it and said, what's going on? And Nehemiah said, after he prayed, how can I smile when my family and the place where my parents are buried Lazy,我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我们我
Let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. 我告诉他们说，我我神是是按着手怎样帮助我，并王对我所说的话，他们就说我们起来建造吧。于是他们奋勇做这三口。Now, my dear brothers and sisters, 现在弟兄姐妹们 ，there's a very practical work of building the house of God to be done. 那现在有一个很实际的一个工作，就是要重建神的家，神的殿。But it won't happen by just some volunteers. 那不是只有一些自愿的人就能够完全的工完成的工。There must be some whose hearts see the condition of the city of God with the God's point of view. 需要有一些人能够看到耶路撒冷的光景呢，是用神的光观点去看。I can ask the questions, but only the Lord can show our heart. 我能问这些问题，但是只有神能够向我显显显明他的心。What do you see when you look out over Christian things today? 当你看今日基督教的光景的时候，你觉得如何 ？Even as our brother talked this morning, 就像我们今我们弟兄今天早上。Let's take that little wall just for a start. 那我们就拿这个墙做个比方。Now walls stand for a testimony of unity. 那这个墙是讲到这个联合的这个见证。It's the strength of the city. 那就是啊，这个城的这个啊，它的能力。It's the identity of the city. 那这个城的这个它识别的方法。Now, if you lived in Jerusalem when it was in ruins, 当你住在耶路撒冷的时候，当它是毁坏的时候。And people say, where did you live? 他说你住在哪里呢 ？If you say Jerusalem, 你说耶路撒冷。Say what's that? 他说啊，耶路撒冷什么地方呢 ？There were no walls. There was no city. 这是没有城墙的，这没有城的。You lived in a pile of rocks. 你住在这个这个一堆的这个。No, God wants a city with walls, covering and surrounding and protecting His people. 神要这个城是要有城墙的，能够保护他的百姓。In New York City, 在纽约市 ，we're just uncovered. 我们是完全这个呃，就是没有保护的。What does it look like? 这是像什么呢 ？A bunch of individual rock outcrops. There's nothing binding it all together. There's no covering or protection or unity. Now our brother was talking about the wider sense of all of these denominations. They're all like pillars in the city. Now our brother was talking about the wider sense of all of these denominations. They're all like pillars in the city. Now、uh, the church is in poverty. Can you just imagine? I know this is beyond our mind, but can you imagine what would happen if the church and the city were one? You 能够想象到如果在城里的教会是一的话 ，I tell you what, Satan would have to flee. 我跟你说，大胆跟你说，撒旦要逃脱。But as it is, he can send in his jackals over the wall anytime he wants. 他现在我们的仇敌能够将他的任何东西拍到这城墙，随时都可以拍。The enemy runs in, picks off some of our teenage children, pulls them back into the wall. 仇敌来就抓了一个什么年轻人，就从墙城墙就。No protection at all. 这完全没有保护的。But I don't want to talk about the city as a whole and to talk about all these other places. 那我不是想说这个城里是怎么样，或者讲到其他的地方是如何。Because this is sadly the picture of the state of our assembly. 但是这是我们，呃，这个我们
我们所有聚会,许多聚会的地方的光景现在是如何。I don't know if you see that. 我不知道你是否看得到。What do we have? 我们有什么呢?Isolated outcrops.那就是这些独立的这些单位。Independent testimonies.独立的这些见证。Thank God there's a sister over there. She's strong in the Lord. There's a family over there where husband and wife worship together and their children are in the Lord. You see outcroppings here and outcroppings there. But it's not built together. We see, we don't understand this. We might blame the devil. But it's actually our individualism. And our independence that refuses to submit to one another and be built together. We're isolated. Far apart. We need our space. And the Lord cannot do it. And the testimony remains weak. When I was a brand new Christian, I was so blessed by a pastor, a Baptist pastor in New York. He's a dear man of God. And he wrote a book called Heart Cry for Revival. Now, because my father-in-law knew him, I talked to him several times. And I remember at one time I asked him, Do you think revival can come to your church in the middle of Manhattan? And he was honest. He said that would be very difficult. Now on Sunday this church was packed with people. But he said 75% of our congregation lives out in the suburbs. I don't think we could have a revival. Everybody lives in Connecticut and New Jersey and up in upstate New York. And so it was a preaching Actually, they had every summer a Keswick week there of deeper teaching. But when you looked at the congregation, there was a stack over here in New Jersey and another one up here in Westchester. Well, where is the church being built up together? Now, I believe in geographical proximity. If you're going to live together, you need to live together. You need to live near one another. I, to me, it seems so okay. And if I were over there in Manhattan, going crazy with the noise over there, and if I wanted to live here in peaceful flushing, I would buy that house across the street. <laughs> because you want to be here with God's people. Don't you want to be here? Or do you want your space? Are you afraid what would happen if you moved across the street? <laughs> now, the only person I say don't move there is if you're a doctor, because all the saints will come to see you. <laughs> 
A man of God took authority over his own family and brought it into Godliness. And then somebody else started building from their gate. And started building toward that next gate. Where they were met halfway by those people from that gate coming out. Some people built just a small part of the wall. Some people built more than a mile of the wall. Now in the end, we're talking about something that's more than 25 feet high and 12 feet wide. At least. You know, people could live in the wall. There's room for a house in there. But anyway, but the point is, everybody had a heart to build. They got it halfway up. Praise God, they got it halfway up. Two things happened. The enemy attacked. We're going to get you now. And the people got discouraged. But they said, oh, there's so much garbage. Whoever thought there'd be so much garbage among us? They should eat with the Chinese downstairs. So much garbage. But now we're talking about the rubble of living stone. You know, Nehemiah understood we need to build from here to there. Your house is right there. Would you build it? The practical spirituality of coordination. Well, here we are, an assembly of people. Now, look at them. Now, what are you concerned about? Your own life? Or do you see somebody whom we need to build a wall to? You know, when people first come in and visit us, they don't build a wall toward us. We need to connect ourselves to them. Do we have the love and the wisdom to do that? Are we selfless enough to do that? I want to suggest something to you regarding this calling. I really think all the brothers in an assembly are called to this building work. We need prayer and the eyes to see where there's need for reconciliation or forgiveness in this city. Now we have a very practical situation here in Flushing. Now we have a big Chinese stone place and a little English one and then a little bigger Brazil a Portuguese one. Now are we building a wall toward one another to connect one another? 
Or as our brother said yesterday morning, was that guy right? That that is just a Chinese thing. I don't think it's just a Chinese thing. I don't even see Chinese anymore. I am Chinese. But we need to build walls toward one another. You know, I know they never get any thanks, but the Lord knows. I'm very thankful. I've been here now 10 years. For 10 years, I've been able to hear your prayers for brothers like Ezra and Andre and Well, I'm more like an Ezra than a Nehemiah. Spiritual practicality is not my strong suit. But I can see when there are people who are trying to connect the walls. And I, and I say, brothers and sisters, this is a great work. And when by the grace of God we see gates being rebuilt and hung in their place and authority back in the church. I don't mean lording it over authority. I mean coordination and submission. You know, uh, our brother Ni has a saying from way back. I don't know what book it's in, to be honest with you. When we come into an assembly, our first question should be, who can I submit to? Now there's somebody who has the heart of a wall builder. Now most of us come somewhere. What can I do? Or... Who submits to me? <laughs> We're so independent. But it's so carnal. Our American independence is killing the church. People meet week after week and they're dying of loneliness. Nobody cares. I can't say that. Because I know there's some wall builders here. Here and in Manhattan. But I'm sure you can appreciate from chapter 3, it takes all of us building the wall together. Now, what good is it if we build the wall between here, the Sheep Gate, and the Valley Gate? But then this is all in ruins over here. Well, we have no protection. It needs to all be built together. Oh, just like Nehemiah, we have to pray, Lord, remember me. I, I just want to do my best, practically speaking. So we reach out to one another. <coughs> Allow our lives to be built together, one to We open our houses up to hospitality. Listen, if you have a house that's so nice, you never want anybody over. Then sell the place. Buy a quality one where you can have people. <laughs> the whole mentality goes back to England. 
Where a family believed their house was their castle. The man came home from work, he went inside. This is my castle. He sits back, watches television. Hey, bring me some or meal. And, hey, kids, get out of here. <laughs> no, you know what? Our houses should be a connecting point on the wall. But we need to be willing to coordinate with each other. And submit to one another. And these things seem so difficult. Well, uh, I, I'm running out of time here, but uh, let me just say a couple of things. It may surprise us to know how quickly a wall of testimony can be built if we're given to that work. The Lord, the Lord can revive walls of unity. Now, how long do you think it took them to build the wall? Fifty-two days. That's less than two months. Because what happened? Well, the, the high priest began to build his little section. Eliashab, he's the priest. Anyway, he's hopeless. He built like this much. <laughs> but he consecrated it to God. He laid his hand on the God. Then armies began to build. And then people started coming from out of hiding. Now where were they hiding? Out in the suburbs. Yeah. It says that a, a, a city of people from Tekoa came and started building on the wall over there. And a work crew came up from Jericho and they started building that. And you see, God even brought the saints who were hiding out in the outskirts into the city, and they began to live in the city. Now, what happened when the city wall got built? Well, I just mentioned a few things. Well, look in verse uh, chapter seven, and uh, verse five. And it says, Nehemiah, this is typical of his practical spirituality. Nehemiah 7.5 then, then my God poured it into my heart. That's it. Then my God poured it into my heart. And what did he do? He said, pull out the census. Now let's see who lives here. And suddenly, these people who came back as a remnant became an identity. This one, that one was born in Zion. Now they knew who they were. I live in Jerusalem. When those walls were built, there was identity among God's people. Now they knew who they were. And look at chapter 7. It's a complete list of everybody who came back to do the work. And now they're citizens. Then in chapter 8, the people, they go to Ezra. Now Ezra's studying his books outside the temple. And 
You know, we can't even understand the truth of body life until we're submitted in body life. I mean, these Jews had heard about the feasts, but now they were in the city where the feast was. And what happened is they started to read. And they came to the place where it says, on the tenth day, you need to have the Feast of Tabernacles. They said, the Feast of what? And they told them what happens that how they need to build booths in Jerusalem and up in the temple. And they had the greatest Feast of Tabernacles they ever had. Because they were all one together. Now they can understand the deeper truth of the word. When we are built together, the word of God has greater impact upon us. How important it is to hear the word of God assembled and united together. Well, and then chapter 9, the whole assembly, as it were, had a prayer of confession and of rededication before the Lord. And in chapter 10, it began this work of sanctification and separation within the city. Well, there's really more to go into there. We have time. But I want to just pause here finally. And wonder if the Lord wouldn't give us some prayer along this wonderful probably almost everybody here openly confesses they have a heart for the Lord and for Him only. We know that that's only half. Do we have a heart for the Lord's people and to be in unity together? This is what it means to be all in. And I didn't even mention about Nehemiah himself. He was one of the hardest workers on the wall. And not only that, but as governor for 12 years, he had the right to demand the 
taxes from all of the and he not only never got a penny from the people, but he opened his home and he fed 150 people every day from his own wealth. This is a godly man. This is a man who is, senses the great work of that city of God. He had no idea the greater mystery behind what he was doing. Because there were already prophecies of the city of Jerusalem that the Messiah would come. Without that city, Jesus could never have come. He was faithful. <coughs> Practically spiritual. And he had overridden his own sense of unworthiness by responding to the call of God. I think for many Christians, this is the last vestige of religious flesh that keeps us from obeying God. Many, many Christians hear in their heart, in their broken heart, a call coming from God. And like all the servants of God in the Bible, they all say, Oh, no, no, not me. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Have you noticed in the Bible how everybody pretty much says that? And have you noticed how God just ignores that? He says, Have I not called you? Then go with this strength that I have called you. Forget about yourself. Our last vestige of religious flesh is we're always saying, Oh, I can't. I'm unworthy. No, I can't. I'm unworthy. And it's a fleshly excuse for not obeying the call of God. But may God's heart overrule our flesh. And we say, where else can I go? By the grace of God, I will do this great work. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing more beautiful on the face of this earth than the church in unity. More important anything, any job, any vocation, any goal that we may individually have. The great work that remains mostly unfinished today. For want of men will stand up and say, Yes, Lord, I see your heart. Uh, may the Lord help us. He's taken us by His sovereign grace partly. But all He wants to build the city of the living God. It takes humility, faith, prayer, godly practical spirituality to know how to join the parts of the wall that are separated. 那我们把这些城墙所分开来的这些方面能够连接在一起。
May the Lord give us all such a love for God's purpose and end that we're willing to submit to one another. This is the issue in this part of the God sovereignly worked in building the house of God. But then when it came to building the walls of the city, he waited for a man. His heart was all for him. May the Lord have mercy. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you. All hearts are before you. There are no, no secrets here. Oh, we have our excuses. Our reasons for separation.